I'm Christy Gupton, and I'm an Employee Benefits Advisor. Welcome to Healthcare Solutions, a podcast where we explore innovations in healthcare, cost containment strategies, and employee well-being. We'll discuss every way possible to turn our healthcare system back into the kind of environment where patient care comes first and costs go down as a result. I invite you to join me to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Today's episode revolves around PBMs, the acronym in the healthcare industry that so few people even know about. PBM stands for Pharmacy Benefits Manager. And today I'm speaking with Vinay Patel of Self Insured Pharmacy Networks, a transparent and pass through pharmacy benefits manager with a great story to tell. We'll discuss the world of pharma and even touch a bit on independent community pharmacies and their reemergence as a key to better health. Listen here as Vinay Patel helps us learn about pharmacy benefits management. In last week's episode, I, I have to believe if we're trying to achieve the, the quadruple aim, you know, the cost and quality, the, the patient experience, that we can't leave out the physician experience. And that's what ha- is what has been left out for a long time in fee-for-service. So that the physician experience, but that is also likened to the rest of the local care team, Mm -hmm. the the pharmacist's Mm -hmm. experience Mm -hmm. too, rather Mm -hmm. than just, you know, when I hear my family member talk about how many prescriptions she filled in a day, I mean, it's in the thousands. How can you have that kind of um, fulfilling experience when it's like running a marathon? Um, so get, give us maybe, I'd love to know, like what's a day in the life (laughs) of a community pharmacist? Now for more with Vinay Patel. You know? So, and you touched on a great point, Christy, in that there are so many pharmacists that, want to care for their patients. It's the system that they work in that sort of creates a behavior pattern where they have to work within that system. Mm -hmm. And that sort of limits or restricts their, what their abilities and what they really want and can do uh, for their patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you sort of highlighted that with, you know, the the packaging uh, that you needed for your family member. Um, and, you know, and, and there is, we, what I'm trying to say is that we're not, I, I don't want to send the message that there's, there's uncaring pharmacists at these big box stores. In fact, it's completely the opposite. They are just as caring as these community pharmacists. Um, but, you know, they have certain restraints and the system that they have to work in is completely different than, than a community pharmacist that owns their own store and sort of can customize mm-hmm. a care plan for, uh, for these, uh, for the for their patients, and uh, that's sort of mirroring exactly what we're talking about on the medical side. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing happening on pharmacy. Pharmacy is not unique. It's it's sort of replicating the same medical model where they have to run on a hamster wheel as fast as possible. Pharmacy has to run on a hamster wheel as quickly as possible. And then you highlighted the local care team. The local care team that we believe is critical to getting our healthcare costs down. Mm-hmm. Uncoordinated care 
just the basic fundamental making sure everyone has access to the all the information for a patient that the patient isn't responsible for making sure all three of their doctors know exactly what drugs that they're taking, <laughs> right. who they're seeing, when they went to the hospital, that basic level of in the information, the fundamental level of coordinating care, we believe doesn't happen to a large degree in our healthcare system. That's part of what having a local care team can help fix to help lower, just a, a low-hanging fruit that we can pick to help lower these uh, exorbitant runaway healthcare costs. Uh, and so let's get back to your question, though. A day in the life of, of a community pharmacist is, uh, you know, o- opening up a shop and, and getting everything ready for the day. Very similar to what happens in the big box stores, making sure everything that you have ready to do today happens, that you get drugs in stock. You know, every, every morning you get drugs from, from who you purchase them from at your, at your wholesaler and you got to make sure that they're stocked and ready to go. And then, you know, the sort of the next phase of your day after, after all that's set up and you've, you're, you're ready for your patients that morning is handling every patient like you've always handled every patient. It's attention and focus to every patient that comes into your door. You probably know a good majority of those patients because they're recurring and they, they need your help and care. And so you know who they are, who their family members are. You probably, you know, have cultural events that you go to, whether it's church or what, whatever in the community. You know them outside of your shop. And mm-hmm. most of these pharmacists that work at big box stores do too. Um, but they have the time to spend with them. They say, hey, Miss Smith, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Oh, and I know, by the way, that, you know, your mom needs this drug. Let me get it ready for you. Let's, let's make sure that uh, she's taken care of as well. Mm-hmm. What do you need? How can we help you? Oh, you need something special. Like if you were to walk into a community pharmacy and say, hey, I need a special packaging. Let me figure out how to make that happen for you. Mm-hmm. If I can't do it, I know someone else in the community that can or does do it. Uh, if I don't offer these special services like compounding, I don't do that. But I'm happy to refer you to another community pharmacy that, that I know in the community that knows and does this. Um, and, then they co- and then not only do they help you know, have a personal relationship with their patients, but they're also able to have the time to go above and beyond to help solve problems for them. And so if they see something uh, that, uh, you know, that they see come across on a prescription, they're going to stop, take the time to call that physician and say, hey, we have an issue here. Not that, not that there's a safety issue in the big box stores. They're also going to do this, but they have extra time to spend with that provider and say, hey, can we get this fixed? There's a, there's a cost issue here above and beyond a safety issue. Can we get that fixed? Here's what I'd recommend. We can get these drugs changed and help the member at the end of the day save money mm-hmm. and sort of have a few more tools uh, to offer that patient to say, here's what we can do to help Sure. Uh, save you money, help be more adherent to drugs, have that relationship, coordinate that care a little bit better, uh, and then um, you and know that, that's and that's got to be a plan savings too. Um, yeah. The savings to the plan too. I, I heard another person talk about one of the um, <laughs> revenue models that some PBMs depend on is when mail order companies just mm. keep filling mail orders yeah, even after the right. patient's not even on the prescription anymore. And there's no incentive to stop that mail order. Um, Correct. Correct. Because and, it, mm-hmm. the, the, what they're, ju- they're just too big to mm-hmm. fail, I guess, mm-hmm. right? So in a community mm-hmm. pharmacy situation, you, ha- you have to realize that smaller is better, mm-hmm. I-, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just more hands, more eyes touching and seeing yeah. how everything is changing, yeah. more mouths communicating with each mm-hmm. other. The doctor is, um, 
you know, communicating either verbally or electronically with mm-hmm, the pharmacist mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we stopped this drug and we're going to try this one now or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. Or my patient is doing so well um, because they're getting to come in and see me more often that we're, she doesn't even need this drug anymore. Right. So, <laughs> right. so I think right. that's, um, right. that's part of the testimony, don't you think? Absolutely. And that's part of the system that you don't get with mail-order. And we're going to talk about mail-order in, in a second, which I want to highlight a couple points about that. But if you look at the healthcare system, there's a high-value and high-cost provider in the clinics, which is the doctor, and there's a high-cost, high-value provider in the pharmacy, which is the pharmacist. And because they're so high-cost and high-value, their time and uh, resources are limited and the most of of the work gets done at this foundation level which is medical assistants nurses in the clinics and you have a great supporting staff in the pharmacy technicians mm-hmm. that support that staff that that sort of get uh, a lot of this coordinating done between a uh, communication done so when there's an issue you know if there's a serious issue, the pharmacist is going to handle it. But if there is a drug coverage issue or sort of a not, you know, this drug's not covered, you need to do a, a prior authorization type of issue, a technician's communicating with the medical clinic and the technician's likely communicating with the nurse or MA at the clinic. And that's where a lot of the communication gets done. And those technicians, they live in that community. They know those providers. They know those MAs. They know those nurses. And that relationship helps as well. It's not at a mail order facility, someone calling, trying to get something done where they don't know them. They're just trying to get a piece of work done. Whereas this relationship outside of these four walls helps that sort of facilitate, I know I need to get a hold of Terry over there at Dr. Smith's office. And that that really helps to get a lot of this facilitating, this coordinating of care done when it's at the local level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the mail order pharmacy piece, if there is something that we could get across to employers, it's that it, there's more smoke and mirrors in mail order pharmacy than, than, than you've ever seen before. Sure. Uh, you, you know, what the, what the hook is to employers at, at a mail order facility is... You don't have to pay a dispense fee. Think about that. You're saving money. Or it money just shows up at your and, door. Or it just shows up or, at your door. Or right, that's, right. Co- that's code for don't look behind the curtain. No. Exactly. No, you know, exactly. uh, what was exactly. the old Wizard of Oz uh, scenario? Don't pay attention to the man behind oh, yeah, the, curtain. the curtain. Oh, right. yeah, right. right. Right? So if, if, yes, if employers really understood how that sausage is made. Yes. They'd be surprised. And the PBM, uh, the, the big PMs all own their own mail order pharmacies. There's double revenues going there. They're, they're getting their admin fee when they're processing the claim, and they're making money on the, the margin on the drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's a lot. Again, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there. But essentially, here's what we what here's what we tell employers is one what you mentioned, which is auto refills. Right, mm-hmm. your members will get drug even if they ask for it not to get sent in certain situations where we've seen example after example after example of people just continuing to get drugs after they've asked not to get uh, drugs sent to them. Uh, but the other one, the, the other side of this is delay in therapy. So patients that need drug, very you know, diabetics that mm-hmm. need to get their insulin or need to get drug at a very specific time every month, if they don't, if it's delayed by a couple days, there is a serious issue that's right. could cause a hospitalization. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the question, well, then the scenario is, where are, pay, where are your members going if they don't get that drug in the mail? If they don't receive it on time, where are they going? They're walking into a retail pharmacy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing special about mail-order pharmacy when all healthcare can be delivered locally. And I call me old-fashioned, 
and that's fine. I, I own that term. But I feel like this mail order piece is mm-hmm. disrupting the relationship-based care. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll just internalize it and, and point it back at myself. And I've, I've been very open on this podcast about, you know, the fact that I have type 2 diabetes. And I struggled with it for a good many number of years when it was a new diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, my doctor wanted me to, you know, do the kind of lifestyle management that it took me a while to figure out how to do. (laughs) And we used um, metformin just as an oral um, medication to try to tamp down the, the, the blood sugar thing. But it just... It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it caused all kinds of um, gastrointestinal distress, and I hated taking it. it made my belly hurt, and um, so I just I took two steps forward. I mean, you know, the old uh, mm-hmm. adage: step one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. For for years, I just didn't have the kind of success I needed. Um, and I wasn't really willing um, to, to do some of the hard work of, of uh, going on a low-carb diet. When I finally got around to that stage and I, and I just made myself do it, that's when things started to, to click. Um, but, you know, this, this whole dance I was doing with this chronic disease, someone in a community pharmacy that was filling that metformin, mm. for mm. Say, say if that's where I was having mm-hmm. it done, could have said, well, so how are you actually doing? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. even though my doctor and I, every 90 days, we don't don't have direct primary care um, in my town yet. We're working on it, but um, it doesn't exist as of today. Uh, But every 90 days in a fee-for-service environment, when I had access to my primary care physician, uh, you know, I was... I was simply making excuses for why I wasn't having this kind of success. Uh, If there was another piece of the, another, you know, connection to the care team, Uh right? So if, if the, if this metformin was being filled by someone who could also tag team, right? Right. With the, with the doctor Mm -hmm. and say, how are you really doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We might've arrived. (laughs) At a at a success story earlier, right? Oh, than, saying. than when saying. I eventually did it, I would say I probably struggled for somewhere in the neighborhood of seven years. Seven years. Where my A one C just it would fluctuate somewhere between seven and nine. Okay. I mean, so I, okay. I was trying, um, right? But I just wasn't as dedicated to it as I needed to be. And the, the, I think a big piece of it was metformin just didn't do for me what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. maybe if I'd had a better, um, um, a more um, appropriate drug regimen that, that I was on, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you, you have the resources that you have and um, I, I don't know. I that's sort of my story, um, and part of the reason why I'm as passionate about direct primary care as I am, because um, I really think that it could have made a difference. I also think that um, this connection between 
um, an, an independent primary care physician and an independent yeah. local pharmacy yeah. is so crucial. Right. Because right. they, like I mentioned, they are like uh, the, the tag team. You know, right. they, they can be in constant contact with each other um, on behalf right. Right. Of, uh, of this patient. I think if employers realize that, they maybe they wouldn't reject this big network of, you know, you can go to any pharmacy you want to, but they might try to steer through smart incentives incentive smart mm-hmm. plan designs right, right, try right. to steer employees mm-hmm. to a situation where they have this concierge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. influence that's right to their to their healthcare and and that and that that brings up a great point Christy is that for the 10 to 15% of the members that have these multiple chronic conditions that are high that need the high touch care there is an incentive-based system to sort of utilize independent pharmacies. Whereas you're going to get drugs regularly on a monthly basis, you need a long-term relationship provider with your local care team that involves a community pharmacy and a direct primary care provider, a high relationship provider, um, and a local hospital system. And for the other 85%, 80 to 85% of members where they have small kids and they need to go get an antibiotic and CVS is around the corner, our plan allows for that flexibility and we sort of incentivize those 10 to 15% of members that contribute 50% or more sure. of the cost of the healthcare plan to go utilize these high value providers and also have the flexibility for these quick busy families that just need convenience and sort of one time drug I just need to go get my antibiotic for my kid it's the third time this year mm-hmm. go to that you know go, go to whatever's convenient to you around the corner we have those pharmacies in our network you can go and access those it's going to be there's going to be a copay differential but it's it's okay you sure. can choose that convenience to sort of say okay I can I'll, I'll pay the standard copays whereas for those 10 to 15% of members we're incentivizing them with a smart plan design lower copays or no copays when they choose an independent pharmacy for that for that high relationship of value mm-hmm. to help lower those overall healthcare costs that's really smart because i i i really feel that when you have chronic disease and a good many comorbidities that accompany it um mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. that support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need accountability, too, because mm-hmm. there's plenty of chronic disease that is sometimes a result of poor choices, sure. and you need a, an accountability team right. to help you get back on track when you need to get back on track and um, help help you keep making progress towards uh, a state of well-being, That's right. whatever that definition is um, for you. So That's right. That's right. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, if employers would, I don't want to say get back to basics, but because healthcare is so complicated, but I think it has become so complicated because of all the intermediaries and the middlemen in, in the process, making it more complicated than it needed to be. And by default, it's become more costly than it needed to be. Um, just to feed right. all mm-hmm. the all the different hands in yeah, that no, system, right. um, but if we if we can sort of get back to basics and realize that we should have placed more value on um, a very relationship driven model, mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. you had a lot of contact between your physician and your mm-hmm. pharmacist, mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know that's. Uh, I hate to sound old-fashioned, but <laughs> I, f- I feel like we are in the state that we are in because we drifted right. 
away from a relationship-based mm-hmm. scenario. Especially for primary care. Agreed. 100%. But I think we're coming back around to it now. And we recognize and realizing that that's why there's been such a, uh, a growth of direct primary care mm-hmm. in the country. Uh, both on the, from the provider side and patients wanting that mm-hmm. as well. Agreed. So tell me a little bit more about your company mm-hmm. and how um, employers can find you if they look you up. Uh, so we are self-insured pharmacy networks and we're based in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, but if you go online, you can look us up, look us up at www.sipharmacynetwork.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all our contact information is over there. There, your listeners are more than welcome to contact me through you, uh, or reach out to me directly through that contact information. They can email me at Vinay, V is in Victor, I, N is in Nancy, A, Y dot Patel, P-A-T-E-L at sipharmacynetwork.com. Very good. So um, if there was something that we needed to touch on but we didn't, can you think of what that might have been? If, you know, uh, I think we could have a whole podcast section on specialty pharmacy. Uh, yes. Um, Maybe we need to have yeah. the, the sequel, <laughs> but let's let's go ahead and tee up the sequel now. Uh, <laughs> if there's one thing that I throw out there to your benefit advisors that listen and to the employers that are listening here is take a, it, there is no one standard definition for specialty. For what a specialty drug is, it's not categorized very distinctly and uniquely like brand and generic drugs are. Specialty is its own wild class. We're in the wild, wild west right now for specialty drugs, and and the definition is in your contract. Uh, And so it's very important to just know what that definition is, and you have an expert go through it and sort of review if that's a really good, concise definition or if it's a very loose definition of specialty, and sort of the PBM gets to decide what is and what isn't. And at the very least, get a list of all the drugs that your PBM dictates in your contract, what what the list of specialty drugs are. Uh, and make sure to ask questions if you see a generic drug on that specialty list. Ah. There are there's so much margin in specialty. When you sort of classify a specialty drug, you automatically get to charge a margin that's in the thousands of dollars. Mm. Uh, and so if there's a generic drug in there, I can guarantee you that PBM, if they own that mail order specialty pharmacy uh, or that contract um, that, that has specialty pharmacy in there, it's making a ton of money on those generics that aren't specialty. In our belief... There shouldn't be any generic drugs on the specialty side, um, and 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 that happens with certain HIV drugs. Are you know if they classify HIV drugs as specialty, you'll see that on there. Uh, there's some other drugs as well that uh, can you know that are widely available as generics that have been used for certain specialty conditions that they're not including on those lists. Um, so that's just a little bit of sort of uh, tip of the iceberg stuff, but I think that that would be really important for for your listeners to know start looking into because it costs so much. So this may be the understatement of the century, but to say that employers need to have a much longer discussion about formulary and tiers Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. definitions Mm -hmm. and go through their PBM contract line by line Mm -hmm. before they ever solidify that relationship. Right. So, right. describe for me what that looks like when employers are meeting with 
um, you, do they meet with you or do, does that mm-hmm. happen through their TPA, through their, um, through their advisor? Mm-hmm. How, how, how does that usually happen? And then break apart the different pieces that, you, that they need to go through that are pretty important before any signatures are applied to that contract. Right. Uh, so we're, you, we're usually brought in by a TPA or a benefits advisor. Mm-hmm. That's typically how we get introduced to employer groups, um, but we can go direct. Uh, if an employer group is interested in learning more about our model, we're more than happy to come out there and sort of explain everything in detail with their broker there at the table or, or without. Um, and so we can, you know, we sort of have all avenues available to us. But as you mentioned, the majority of times we're introduced through the TPA or, or their benefits advisor to the employer. Uh, and the the important key is that upfront education. Mm-hmm. We're able to come in there and sort of break down what exists today in the PBM world. Here's how it works. Here's all the pricing mechanisms. Here, when we spend an hour with employers, and we had this opportunity um, earlier this year with an employer right here in Raleigh, uh, and the employer is about 600 lives. They cover about 600 lives, and they were they were uh, fully insured. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, you know, what's the big deal about pharmacy? I, I I know I'm spending a lot. I'm sort of spending a lot on premiums. And, you know, their, their broker advisor told them they need to go self-funded. But what's the big deal? About, you know, how can I customize? How can I get pharmacy under control? Uh, we spent an hour with the CEO. Uh, we had the opportunity. It's very rare that we can spend sure. an hour with the CEO. But, but by the end of that hour, the CEO was so flabbergasted at how much money exists in pharmacy and what the margins are and, and how just convoluted and complex the revenue streams are that are going to these PBMs that he said, I'm, I'm done with them. <laughs> I'm using you guys because of what you have been able to sort of shine a light on and explain mm-hmm. how my members are getting taken advantage of. Forget the company, right? I, I know I'm overspending, but my members at the pharmacy counter are getting taken advantage of. And that's sort of that angle that we can sort of share share light on as pharmacists, as people, you know, as, as owners, managers of, of independent pharmacies uh, to sort of explain to them the other side of that coin. Whereas, you know, when you have a, a, a consultant advisor, you can see the PBM side, we can also shed light on the pharmacy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that education is so key. You know, we, we go in there with an open mind, just sort of telling everyone how it exists today. And then here's your options, right? right. You can use, you know, there's a menu of options. We can go from zero to a hundred in savings for you if you want to cause zero to hundred amount of disruption. Sure. We can create a super narrow network that'll give you the most savings and sort of, you know, outsource um, uh, the drug management for, for your members if you want to do that. Or if you want to do 10%, we sure. got a 10% option. There's a, um, there's a crawl, walk, run yeah, strategy exactly. in almost everything, right? That's right. That's right. And then and then we have you know various discussions throughout plan designs. We sit down with the employer and go through, okay, well, here's what your plan design is today. Here's what the analysis showed on the, on the repricing, which is sort of that next step after that education meeting. We'll sit down, go through all that, what we found, and then walk through, do you want your plan design to look the same? Here's what the implications are. If you want to switch this drug to this drug, here's how we can customize your formulary. Here's how we optimize our formulary so we're not maximizing rebates and why you don't want to maximize rebate dollars right. and you want to use the lowest net cost drugs. Exactly. Uh, and as pharmacists, we have recommendations, on therapeutic mm-hmm. recommendations. And so we sort of sit down and go through that process and then take another couple weeks to months 
just implementing them and getting it right and testing everything and then and then after we sign that contract then everyone's ready to go and we're we're sort of smoother in, in the implementation and and uh, in, in the process of getting our employers on board it's very important for us to educate and make sure that everyone understands what they're getting into when it comes to pharmacy benefits before they even pick a vendor right because uh, it's so complicated it is so complicated um, even as an advisor I feel like I don't fully have sure. you know the the big picture I mean I've, I've never been a pharmacist so I don't know that side of it and and all of it is it's just very high level information sure. Sure. Um, but to to see how wildly um, the costs fluctuate and try to get your arms right. around that you really do need a partner on your side that is willing to tell the truth mm-hmm. not hide the mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. to their to their own benefit right, right? right. To, right. to be uh, essentially a co-fiduciary mm-hmm. with you um, because ultimately not only are we dealing with people's lives but um, uh, you know where employees um, feel the pain uh, mm-hmm, in their mm-hmm. wallet, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they need to be able to afford to have um, or to pay the kind of attention to their health care that they need to. At, at the end mm-hmm, of the day, we can't mm-hmm. have diabetics running around um, with uh, high A1Cs just because <laughs> they're... They're, uh, you know, because they're maybe their medications aren't fit to them uh, the way that they mm-hmm. need to be, and it's it's somewhat of a of a um, maneuvering, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to to get it just right, mm-hmm. and um, and that goes for really every disease state. So, right, absolutely, um, absolutely. Even that that's a big one, but um, I think that having having that kind of um, um, partner on your side is is so important, and I and we just mm-hmm. haven't as an industry, paid it, its due. We haven't paid the kind of attention to that piece of the benefit because it did just seem like a plug-and-play situation Correct. with the big carriers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. just glossed over mm-hmm, it like mm-hmm. it was a, p- a piece of cake. Well, here's all that your health plan covers. Oh, and by the way, your prescriptions are covered too. And they closed the book on that, and there's no more discussion. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> today we're starting to find out they might have glossed over that for a reason. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't um, want you to sort of. They had this this uh, these explosions going off on this side, so we can say there's nothing to see here, folks. You really want to pay attention to the medical side, but now pharmacy's catching up to medical. Absolutely. Um, what What was it? The lawsuit. Um, City of Rockwell, Illinois. Rock, Rockford. Rockford. Thank Rockford you. Rockford, mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, this came up in conversation with a uh, with another person, and and while that that definitely splashed um, onto the scene with that sixty minutes episode that they um, filmed about it, mm-hmm. but ultimately, and I don't I don't even remember how the court case played out. If 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 it was. Um, I just didn't follow it. Mm-hmm. But the discussion I was having with someone else, this other person basically said, um, you know, I'm not sure what they think they can get out of that litigation right. because right. 
That was the way their contract was written. Exactly. And they exactly. didn't know their own right. contract. Right. And and just for those who didn't know what this story was all about, there mm-hmm. was um, well, why don't you're the expert? Why don't you re- recap the story? It was a certain drug that um, used yeah. to be a very small price, and because of maneuvering, it ended up being hundreds of thousands of dollars for a dependent on the plan Mm -hmm. and the plan didn't even know it and they Mm -hmm. were Mm -hmm. paying this hundreds of thousands of dollars right under their nose without really um, understanding or realizing what was going on and then by the time they actually looked at the data Mm -hmm. then they started asking questions Mm -hmm. And, correct, and then correct. it ended up in a legal case, which, but well, I've already said, I don't even, I didn't follow it. I don't even know how it turned out, but likelihood is that the PBM prevailed because they're, they are going to act um, the way their contract Con- word by word. authorizes mm-hmm. them to act. And so that's why mm-hmm. that contract, like you said, spending so all that time with the CEO and, you know, maybe the other fiduciaries the in the room. HR, right? Putting the time in up front helps this situation Correct. that they experienced in Rockford, Illinois Correct. to never happen. Correct. Hopefully. Hopefully. And but that that's that's such a key point, is that every word in that contract is meticulously combed over by these PBMs and armies of attorneys creating these <laughs> contracts so that it's in their favor. So that when they sign something they can come back years later and say, This is what you signed and it holds it holds up in court. Time and again it holds up in court where these contracts stand right against any sort of litigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and that's part of the problem. We can't have we can't have someone coming in to sell something to employers and then just standing behind a contract because it's disingenuous. Right. And we need to get past that because there's so much at stake here. It's people's lives. It's people's well-being. This isn't just a car. This I is know. this isn't some this isn't property. Exactly. This is people's lives. And and for for Rockford, Illinois, those hundreds of thousands of dollars that they mm-hmm. shelled out that they cannot get, get back. back. Mhm. That took money out of their budget that I'm sure they could have allocated to infrastructure. That's right. Police and fire. That's right. That's right. Um, right. You know, uh, other functions of their municipality that they'll never get that money back. Absolutely. And they, I'm sure they need it. That's right. <laughs> right? Just like every other community in this country needs uh-huh. it. Absolutely. <laughs> needs every penny they can for the services that we all depend on. Well, I think that... Um, is a great place to end our conversation, but say, let's come back and talk again soon about uh, specialty pharmacy. Um, because we're, we're going we're gonna to need to dissect that for sure. And I'm sure your listeners will have a hundred other topics that they probably want to understand about <laughs> pharmacy benefits. We can cover all of those. Let's hope so. I, I'm, uh, I'm counting on it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Vinay. Thank you, Christy. Thank you for joining our important discussion as we attempt to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Please subscribe to our podcast and let us know what you think. For more information on the work we do at Custom Benefit Solutions, visit our website at www.custombenefits.work.